0: of wearing a mask and this too shall pass I look forward to the day, hallelujah we say that every week Uh, but if this is the only persecution or suffering we have to face it's not too much I think we can handle it today we're looking at grace we've been doing this now for this is our fifth week that we've been looking at discipleship as a journey of grace God's grace And uh, I I was just thinking about something this week that a while back, I guess it might've been a month or six weeks, I am so out of touch with time. COVID has made me unaware like if it was six weeks ago, six months ago, six years ago. I think there's just something that comes from going through a pandemic, right? You're out of touch with the whole reality of time. But there's something that's just so sad. We had shared it on uh, Facebook. And it really saddened my heart. There were a few other pastors who commented on it, and it was about the stats of what's happening in the church, the church, generally, right? The church, the church, <laughs> and, and it was talking about the fact that one out of every ten ministers uh, will actually retire as a minister. Now that's that's sad. And so, Pastor Sheila and Pastor Mike, you are two. That means two out of 20, that would actually get to the place where they have got in their life in retirement. So so that would say, if we're using the stats, if you're a stacked person, that would be saying that the two of them have retired in ministry, well, they're refired in ministry, we know that, but they've officially both retired, that they would be two out of another 18 that would have walked away from ministry. of the ministers starting out will not last five years. That's why we need to pray for Bracton. We need to cover Bracton in our prayers. Because 50% of those that start out in ministry will not be there five years later. The sad part, which we're seeing all around, is uh, 4,000 churches closed in America last year. Now, we're talking about North America, but this is probably more U.S. stats, but we know Canada's stats are very close to what we're saying here. The numbers would be a bit different. But imagine, 4,000 churches closed last year. Over 1,700 pastors left the ministry every month. Do you see what I'm saying here? This is troublesome. This is something for us to pray about. 1,300 pastors were terminated by a local church each month, uh, many without cause. And over 3,500 people a day in North America walk away from the church. 3,500 people a day walk away. From the church. And this uh, Fuller Institute said that many denominations now are reporting an empty pulpit crisis. They cannot find ministers willing to serve or fill even those positions. I want to say all this today. It's sad. It's something we need to be aware of. It's something we need to pray about. But why do I bring all that up? I bring all that up to say. Oh, it's not how you've begun. Yes, you need to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And last week, we realized you need the sanctifying power of God's grace. But it's not all that how you start. The question today is, how are you going to finish? God's desire is that we all finish the race. It's God's desire that we all finish well. And that's what God wants from us. I was thinking as I was preparing this week about the parable that Jesus shared about the sower. Well, I guess I was thinking because I was looking at all our farmers out in the fields sowing. But, you know, Jesus explained this part in verse chapter 4 of Mark, verses 16 to 17, He said, These are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while, and then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Pastor Mike and I, when we started Bible school, uh, the class was quite large. Four years later, when we stood to receive our diploma, It was a very small handful of people. Very, very few finished, even through that beginning class. Why do I bring that up today? I do not bring that up today in a spirit of pride. I do not bring that up in judgment of any of these numbers of what's been going on in the lives of people. Because every one of those numbers is a person and what they're dealing with in life. I'm not bringing it up for that reason. I want to say to you today that I am here behind this pulpit only because of the grace of God. And it could be me in these stats. It would have been so easy so many times to walk away. And why I'm saying this today is God's sustaining grace is given to us as a wonderful gift because God wants us to keep on in the faith. God wants to sustain us in the faith. Praise God, this church is over 100 years old, but until the Lord tarries, God wants the Elmsdale Church of the Nazarene to be alive and well in generations to come. I believe that. I hope you believe that. Because it's God's sustaining grace grace. We've been looking at grace. What's grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. Oh, we're going all over, I'm going all over the place again here. God's riches Christ at Christ Christ's expense. expense. Mark and Pastor Mike God, it. That's about the two. No, I know others have. So let's say it again. What's grace? God's God's riches at Christ's Christ's expense. expense. We've been looking at the reality. It's not something you can work for. It's not something you can earn. It is a gift. It is given to you as a gift. We said it's not a substance. It is a person, and his name is Jesus. And that is God's grace. And we looked at the reality that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And as we looked at that, we looked at the fact that He is that prevenient grace, that grace that comes before, that grace that woos us to God, that we can say yes to God. And then we seen that He is the truth, the saving grace, that grace that comes and we realize we're convicted of our sin and we repent of our sins and we receive Him. As our Savior. And then we realize that he is the life, that sanctifying grace that every believer receives. When they come to faith, they receive the Holy Spirit. But we also looked at that moment of crisis when we realized we can't do this Christian walk on our own. And we need the Holy Spirit, an infilling of the Holy Spirit to empower us to do this walk in a way that would honor God. So, today, this sustaining grace is part of the life that we're looking at today. The way, the truth, and the life. The, the sustaining, keeping grace of God. Now, what's interesting is we've been looking a bit at theology, and I'm quite impressed because you guys are doing really well. I, I'm impressed week after week. I've heard very, very positive comments, and I thought, well, we're talking a bit theology in these messages, and it seems like people are doing okay. So, today, we're going to do a little bit. I promise it won't be much. But we're going to talk today about God's sustaining grace. And we're going to talk just for a moment about God's imputed righteousness and God's imparted righteousness. So imputed righteousness is what happens when we're justified. It's basically Christ's righteousness is accredited to you. You've done nothing for it, you can't earn it, but Christ's righteousness He comes as man's full representative, fully man, fully God, and he lived what? A righteous life. He had to, in order for his righteousness to be accredited to your account. So basically, someone says that when God looks at you, he looks at Christ. He looks through the lens of Christ and the cross and his sacrifice, and God sees you now righteous. That's why it's important that we realize that Jesus took on our sins and now we take on his righteousness. That's why we can be justified. That's why we call that imputed. It's not of you. Imputed righteousness. But we also believe that God wants to impart his righteousness into your life and heart. And that's what we call sanctification. That the Holy Spirit has come to help you and to impart, to infuse his righteousness that you might live a life that would honor God. That is imparted righteousness. God wants you to finish well. God wants you to finish well so much so that he has given you his sustaining, keeping grace. That you can, at the end of your life, know that you have laid your head down on that pillow and you have finished the race. And you have won the prize. And you will hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. It is God's will that you finish this race. God's grace is needed for pardon. We talked about that. But God's grace is also needed for power. That's the imparting. The coming of the Holy Spirit. That you would have the power To live this life. Because I shared my story already. How frustrated I got last week. I couldn't seem to do this Christian thing. And then the Holy Spirit showed me. It's not for me to do it. It's not about working harder. It's not about keeping a list. It's about me letting go and allowing the Holy Spirit to give me his power. To live a life that would honor God. I like what somebody said. It is not the gift from the Holy Spirit. The gift is the Holy Spirit. Now, wake somebody up and say, The gift is the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's our problem right there. The gift is the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Now you know why I pray for you, about people being tired. If you look around, you'll see electrical outlets in, in this building. I'm pretty sure you have them in your home. And and you know what that says? The the truth of it is all the power you would ever need in your home is there. Isn't it? It's in the walls. You're plugged in. Your home is plugged in. All those outlets, unless there's something wrong and you need to call an electrician, there is enough power there for you. Whatever you need, the power is there. What's the problem? You've got to plug in. You've got to plug into it. You've got to plug into it in order to receive that power. And that's what God is saying here in this sustaining grace, that the power of the Holy Spirit is there. Everything you need to live a life to the fullest, everything you need to finish well, has been provided by God in his wonderful grace. What's your part? You need to plug into it. You need to use those resources that God has given us. E. Stanley Jones said, you cannot attain salvation by disciplines. It is the gift of God. We've talked about that. But you cannot retain salvation without disciplines. Did you hear that? It is that retaining of the life force of what we have in us that's bubbling up within our bellies, this reality, this life abundantly, and to the fullest, that God has given us that, and now he wants to give us his sustaining grace to keep that alive and well. To keep that alive and well. And that even into our old age, even in the face of loss, even in the face of difficulty, we will continue to follow Christ faithfully. So whose responsibility is it? Well, we're to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. That's one of the things we need to look at today. This is part of our plugging in to the power source. We're asked to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit wanting to do in your life today? Because I believe he's wanting to do something every day. He's wanting to do something in our lives. He's wanting to help us and empower us. And so the truth today is... We, who's responsible for our spiritual maturity that we talked about last week? Is it God? God's responsible for our spiritual maturity?
1: Is it us that's
0: responsible for our spiritual maturity? The truth is, it's both. Our spiritual maturity, God is doing that work in us, but we need to cooperate with what God is wanting to do. God initiates, we respond. God calls, what do we have to do? We listen. God guides, What are we supposed to do? Obey? God empowers? We do the work that God wants us to do. We've said it often is what we call responsible grace. We've received grace as a gift, but we are responsible also for it. We've been talking a lot about going back to the garden of Adam and Eve. One of the things we've seen with Adam and Eve is the fall, and the fall was because of free will, and because of choice. Adam and Eve had a choice, and unfortunately they didn't make the right choice, and the truth of it is today we all have choices. Every day, I I heard one time the number, can't remember how many choices we make every day. Now you chose today what color mask you were going to wear. Whether you're going to wear shorts or pants. (laughs) Pastor Mike chose the songs we were going to sing today. Bracton decided whether he was going to sing them with all his heart onto the glory of God or if he was just going to get the job done. We know what he did today. We know what he chose because of the presence of God here. Every day we make choices. We have a free will. And so it's your choice whether you will cooperate with the Holy Spirit or you will not. It's your choice. And if you choose not to cooperate with the Holy Spirit then you're also going to deal with the realities of that choice. See, love is a choice. A lot of people struggle with the fall, struggle with Scripture. Why didn't God just make them a obey? Well, then that's not love. That's robots. We're not called to be robots. We're called to love. And so that choice means even for us now in our spiritual journey, it's our choice whether we want to follow God or not. It's also our choice if we want to drop out. It's our choice if I want to leave the ministry. It's my choice if I decide I want nothing more to do with the church. It's my choice. We all have that freedom of choice. But praise God, we also have the power of the Holy Spirit. That I now am free to honor and worship God. And I have the power in me to say that wonderful word that toddlers know so well. No. <laughs> I, but I have the power to say no now to sin. I have the power to say no to things that are not God-honoring in my life that are going to bring me farther from God than instead of closer to him. I have, that's our Christian freedom. We can say no (laughs) to things that aren't of God. Someone wisely said that just like as we've been looking at the farming and the fields, about growing in grace, our farmers right now are planting the seed. Well, there's unfortunately a long time before you see the harvest. There's that in-between time. And and that's like that, that in our lives. The Holy Spirit has planted seeds into our hearts, but there's often an in-between time before we see the wonderful harvest. Of those things. And so God is wanting us to nurture and nourish those things in our hearts and lives. Just like a farmer will do cultivation and water and sunlight and fertilizer and even will deal with the weeds if need be in order that a great harvest will come. God is wanting us to do those things in our lives that will help bring forth a wonderful harvest that we will indeed finish well. I like what N.T. Wright said. To get the fruit of the Spirit, you need to learn to be a gardener. Did you get that? To get the fruit of the Spirit, you need to learn to be a gardener. Now hear that, the fruit of the Spirit, is from the Spirit, not from us. But it's our role to be the gardener. So we see we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Then, we saw it in this passage today, together I'm preaching to the choir because you're here. (laughs) I'm preaching to those who are listening online. They're with us online. There is power when we come together. And so if we want to finish well, I hate to say it to those that don't think it's important, but you need the body of Christ. You need the church. You need your brothers and sisters in the Lord if you're going to finish well. Those Christians who are isolated and off on their own, they tend to be weak. And unfruitful, and if not careful, they will fall away. Praise God, they can always come back, but they will fall away. Do you know what's interesting? As Peter said here, after Pentecost, I was just thinking, after Pentecost, Peter got up and gave his first message, right? We talked about that last week. And after he gave his first message, then we see this passage, the fruit of that, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, as they were now together as the church of Jesus Christ. And look at verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. So we've talked about the new birth, we've talked about new filling of the Holy Spirit, now we see you've been given a new family. We've sung about it. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God, right? We grew up hearing that. But are you today? Do you realize the importance of this new family that God has blessed you with in the faith? This family that God has given you to help you to be together with them and together you will finish well. It's my desire today to see you as a pastor finish well. I hope and pray that day when I'm gone, I might go ahead of a lot of you, but I'll be standing there. Well, up to that point, I'd plan to be part of the cloud of witnesses cheering you on, but I'm looking forward to the day of seeing people cross into glory. Knowing that they finished well. That's why we need to pray for those that maybe right now aren't coming to worship. Maybe we've got to pray for those that once knew the Lord and don't and aren't following, because we want them to finish well. We want them to cross over. That should bring us to our knees as a church, as we begin and continue to pray, that they would understand the importance of this walk with Christ, and finishing the race together, one by one, crossing that finish line for his glory. That's why we're not settled to see our kids not running the race that's why we're not settled to see our grandkids not running the race and those that used to be in a pew and those that used to be across the platform we as the church we're the family And when somebody doesn't show up to a meal you sure know it but we've got to be together and i tell you if we've been under attack in this pandemic it's that i don't need the church i don't need to come to church i don't need any of this i can just sit back and have my coffee thank you very much (laughs) not belittling those that aren't able to worship with us in person, because they're doing it virtually, but just the attack of the enemy to tell us we don't need any of that anymore. Oh, my friends, we need to pray for the church in the midst of all that's going on. But God wants us to experience God together. We see in this early church they met together, they were vulnerable together. Mm-hmm. They practiced faith together, they learned together, they went out and witnessed together. And together, they knew each other's need. See, this passage tells us that they were able to have everything in common and care for one another. How did they know that? They're not going to know it by this. Well, how's your week fine? How's yours great? They knew each other's needs, and they were able to care for each other's needs because they spent time together. Now, you cannot possibly spend time together with everybody in this church every week. But you can spend time with two or three or five or six or a group of ten somewhere. Well, remember sure am your household in ten. <laughs> Be careful. That's all I'm telling you right now. <laughs> your household in ten. <laughs> But you can find a way to be together with people. And that, that's how you. That's the power of small group ministry in that too. You really get to know one another. You get to know your hurts, your pains, your sufferings, your needs. Your pain in pains. order to be able to care for each other. And you know what's beautiful in this passage? It tells us the fruit of this. They had awe. There were signs and wonders in the church. They had all things in common. Those who had a need distributions were there to help them. They spent much time together, and it says they had, they were glad, full of joy, generous hearts. They were good to all the people. All the people outside the church respected them. They knew something was going on in that body of Christ, and that blessing the Lord added to their numbers daily. not amazing. And then God has given us, in order to sustain us, God has given these wonderful means of grace. Means of grace is a term that John Wesley and others used. It means that these are these gifts of God that have been given to you as means of grace that will help sustain you, help keep you. You're actually doing one of them right now, worship. But it was a means of grace that God gives to help us in our journey there's those thousand little decisions that we make every day. It's those consistent practices, Christian practices that we do, whether we feel like it or not. We see here that there was four things were told in this passage that they did. They came under the apostles' teaching. And so instruction, Bible study, all of that was part of their growing and maturing and sustaining God's sustaining grace. They fellowship together. Life together, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer would say. This being together, as we just spoke about. They spent time together. Somebody said one time, how do you spell love? T-I-M-E. You can't say you love your brothers and sisters in Christ if you never have any time with them. They broke bread together, which is worship. And they prayed together. See, God wants us to put these spiritual practices into place if we're going to be sustained, if we're going to finish well. Oh, we all got saved at the beginning. Oh, what joy, right? Excitement. Remember that, the big Bibles, the Thompson? I remember my Bible. I can't read it now. The print is too fine. But I I went to the Christian bookstore, and I found the biggest Bible I could find. Now, see, you guys got phones now, so you younger crowd don't understand that. But, of course, it was the Thompson chain reference Bible. You know, it had the big reference section. And then, of course, you got that big zippered up case, you know. And you put it under your arm and you walk to church with this big Bible. right? You were so excited about the Word of God. You were so excited to read the Word and take it to church and share it and couldn't get enough of it. All those wonderful things that happens when you first get saved. I remember. I guess it was about three months into it that I went into what they call the dark night of the soul, dry spell. I didn't feel anything anymore. I, I kept examining my heart. What what happened? What went wrong? What what what's going on, Lord? I don't understand. Uh, I've given everything to you, and you, mean, Lord, I just don't get it. And yet there was something in me. I wanted to stay home, but praise God for a husband at that point that was saved and said, nope, you're getting up and you're coming to church. (laughs) And I even went begrudgingly, but I knew I needed to be in church. I knew that I needed to study God's word. I knew I needed to pray. I don't know if you've ever been there. Maybe it's just me. But have you ever prayed and you feel like your prayers hit the ceiling and fall back going, The sustaining grace, this journey is a reality. It's not based on always feeling your spiritual pulse. Oh, I don't feel God moving today. God is on the move whether you feel it or not. The truth today is you've got to keep doing what you know you need to keep on doing. And God wants to give you the power and the grace to continue to do those habits, those holy habits, those means of grace of worshiping together and reading his word and coming together with brothers and sisters in Christ and prayer as the early church did. And you know what? The exciting days come back and the feelings come back. It's sure not going to come back if you sit at home alone. It's doing those things. That's where we see growth. That's where we see maturing in the faith. That's where we see God's sustaining grace to help us finish well. So, sustaining grace is needed to empower us, enable us, lead us in this holy life. Next week, Pastor Mike will be looking at what is sufficient grace as we'll bring this series to a close. I like what Eugene Peterson said, a long obedience in the same direction. Oh, there's a lot of quick flashes. But do you have that endurance today to finish well? That long obedience in the same direction, that is what's needed in this Christian journey. And that is how God wants to give you his sustaining grace. That you're not doing this, but it's by his grace that he'll encourage you and help you to live that godly life. Whether you feel like it or not, his empowerment and grace is there. My stepdad used to say this all the time. Psalm, the psalmist says what's been given to us. Psalm 90 verse 10 uh, in life, most of us are given three score and ten. Do you know how many year how many years is last? Seventy. Seventy. Let me see if I can find seventy inches here. Three score and ten. I'm not very good. There's a cheap one. It's a dollar store one. That's why it's not standing up there, Marvin. A the better Kent one would stand up, I'm sure. So there's your life. Three score and ten. Started down here. Uh, Give your heart to the Lord. I can't. Right? Uh, kind of maybe had some struggles, fell away, but kind of once the family came along, you rededicated your life, and you haven't looked back. And and you know God has just been good. Uh, I'm right around here. That's that's what I thought. Pastor Mike is here. <laughs> now you know who's younger. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Some of you would say, Pastor Betty, I'm more <laughs> I'm more than seventy, and I would say, You're living on grace already. All on borrow time. That's what my stepdad would say. Have left. I mean, three score and ten is a general biblical concept. None of us know. None of us know if we have this much time or that much time. Why do I say that? It is God's sustaining grace, whatever you have left, that's going to help you to finish you up. None of us can do it on our own strength. We need to pray that some will get back on board. Those that have walked away, we need to continue to pray for them. But we need to realize that all of this is because of the grace of God. And I will only finish well because I'm willing to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Because I'm willing to come together with brothers and sisters in Christ. And even when I don't feel like it, I will continue to practice those wonderful means of grace that God has provided me in and through his church.